0: Chapter 18 of the Faith of Our Fathers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Faith of Our Fathers by James Cardinal Gibbons. Chapter 18 Charges of Religious Persecution. Section 1. The Spanish Inquisition but did not the spanish inquisition exercise enormous cruelties against heretics and jews i am not the apologist of the spanish inquisition and i have no desire to palliate or excuse the excesses into which that tribunal may at times have fallen from my heart i abhor and denounce every species of violence and injustice and persecution of which the spanish inquisition may have been guilty and in raising my voice against coercion for conscience sake i am expressing not only my own sentiments but those of every catholic priest and layman in the land our catholic ancestors for the last three hundred years have suffered so much for freedom of conscience that they would rise up in judgment against us were we to become the advocates and defenders of religious persecution we would be a disgrace to our sires were we to trample on the principle of liberty which they held dearer than life when i denounce the cruelties of the inquisition i am not standing aloof from the church but i am treading in her footprints bloodshed and persecution form no part of the creed of the catholic church so much does she abhor the shedding of blood that a man becomes disqualified to serve as a minister at her altars who by act or counsel voluntarily sheds the blood of another before you can convict the church of intolerance you must first bring forward some authentic act of her popes or councils sanctioning the policy of vengeance in all my readings i have yet to find one decree of hers advocating torture or death for conscience sake she is indeed intolerant of error but her only weapons against error are those pointed out by st paul to timothy preach the word be instant in season out of season reprove entreat, rebuke with all patience and doctrine but you will tell me were not the authors of the inquisition children of the church and did they not exercise their enormities in her name granted but i ask you is it just or fair to hold the church responsible for those acts of her children which she disowns you do not denounce liberty as mockery because many crimes are committed in her name neither do you hold a father accountable for the sins of his disobedient children we should also bear in mind that the spaniards were not the only people who have prescribed men for the exercise of their religious belief If we calmly study the history of other nations, our enmity toward Spain will considerably relax, and we shall have to reserve for her neighbors a portion of our indignation. No impartial student of history will deny that the leaders of the reformed religions, whenever they gained the ascendancy, exercised violence toward those who differed from them in faith i mention this not by way of recrimination nor in palliation of the proscriptions of the spanish government for one offence is not justified by another my object is merely to show that they who live in glass houses should not throw stones and that it is not honest to make spain the scapegoat bearing alone on her shoulders the odium of religious intolerance It should not be forgotten that john calvin burned michael servetus at the stake for heresy that the arch reformer not only avowed but also justified the deed in his writings and that he established in geneva an inquisition for the punishment of refractory christians it should also be remembered that luther advocated the most merciless doctrine toward the jews According to his apologist, Seckendorf, the German reformer, said that their synagogues ought to be destroyed, their houses pulled down, their prayer books, and even the books of the Old Testament to be taken from them. Their rabbis ought to be forbidden to teach and be compelled to gain their livelihood by hard labor. It should also be borne in mind that Henry VIII and his successors for many generations inflicted fines imprisonment and death on thousands of their subjects for denying the spiritual supremacy of the temporal sovereign this galling inquisition lasted for nearly three hundred years and the severity of its decrees scarcely finds a parallel in the spanish inquisition prescott avows that the administration of elizabeth was not a whit less despotic and scarcely less sanguinary than that of isabella The clergy of Ireland under Cromwell were ordered, under pain of death, to quit their country, and theological students were obliged to pursue their studies in foreign seminaries. Any priest who dared to return to his native country forfeited his life. Whoever harbored a priest suffered death, and they who knew his hiding place and did not reveal it to the inquisitors had both their ears cut off at this very moment not only in england but in ireland scotland and holland protestants are worshiping in some of the churches erected by the piety of our catholic forefathers and wrested from them by violence observe also that in all these instances the persecutions were inflicted by the express authority of the founders and heads of protestant churches The Puritans of New England inflicted summary vengeance on those who were rash enough to differ from them in religion. In Massachusetts, the Quakers were whipped, branded, and their ears cut off, their tongues bored with hot irons, and were banished upon pain of death in case of their return, and actually executed upon the gallows. Who is ignorant of the number of innocent creatures that suffer death in the same state on the ridiculous charge of witchcraft? toward the end of the seventeenth century well does it become their descendants to taunt catholics with the horrors of the spanish inquisition in the religious riots of philadelphia in eighteen forty four catholic churches were burned down in the name of protestantism and private homes were sacked i was informed by an eye-witness that owners of houses were obliged to mark on their doors these words this house belongs to protestants in order to save their property from the infuriated incendiaries for these acts i never heard of any retaliation on the part of catholics and i hope i never shall no matter how formidable may be their numbers and tempting the provocation in spite of the boasted toleration of our times it cannot be denied that there still lurks a spirit of inquisition which does not indeed vent itself in physical violence but is nevertheless most galling to its victims how many persons have i met in the course of my ministry who were ostracized by their kindred and friends driven from home nay disinherited by their parents for the sole crime of carrying out the very shibboleth of protestantism the exercise of private judgment and of obeying the dictates of their conscience by embracing the catholic faith is not this the most exquisite torture that can be inflicted on refined natures ah there is an imprisonment more lonely than the dungeon it is the imprisonment of our most cherished thoughts in our own hearts without a member of the family with whom to communicate there is a sword more keen than the executioner's knife it is the envenomed tongue of obloquy and abuse there is a banishment less tolerable than exile from one's country it is the excommunication from the parental roof and from the affections of those we love have i a right to hold the members of the episcopal lutheran presbyterian and congregationalist churches responsible for these prescriptive measures to which i have referred most of which have been authorized by their respective founders and leaders god forbid i know full well that these acts of cruelty form no part of the creed of the protestant churches i have been acquainted with protestants from my youth they have been among my most intimate and cherished friends and from my knowledge of them i am convinced that they would discountenance any physical violence which would be inflicted on their fellow-citizens on account of their religious convictions they would justly tell me that the persecutions of former years of which i have spoken should be ascribed to the peculiar and unhappy state of society in which their ancestors lived rather than to the inherent principles of their religion for precisely the same reasons and for reasons still more forcible protestants should not reproach the catholic church for the atrocities of the spanish inquisition the persecutions to which i have alluded were for the most part perpetrated by the founders and heads of the protestant churches while the rigors of the spanish tribunal were inflicted by laymen and subordinate ecclesiastics either without the knowledge or in spite of the protests of the bishops of rome let us now present the inquisition in its true light in the first place the number of its victims has been wildly exaggerated as even prescott is forced to admit the popular historian of the inquisition is laurent from whom our american authors generally derive their information on this subject now who was laurent he was a degraded priest who was dismissed from the board of inquisitors of which he had been secretary Actuated by interest and revenge, he wrote his history at the instance of Joseph Bonaparte, the new king of Spain, and, to please his royal master, he did all he could to blacken the character of that institution. His testimony, therefore, should be received with great reserve. To give you one instance of his unreliability, he quotes the historian Mariana as his authority for saying that, two thousand persons were put to death in one year in the dioceses of seville and cadiz alone by referring to the pages of mariana we find that authors saying that two thousand were put to death in all spain during the entire administration of torquemada which embraced a period of fifteen years Before beginning to examine the character of this tribunal, it must be clearly understood that the Spanish Inquisition was not a purely ecclesiastical institution, but a mixed tribunal. It was conceived, systematized, regulated in all its procedures and judgments, equipped with officers and powers, and its executions, fines, and confiscations were carried out by the royal authority alone, and not by the church to understand the true character of the spanish inquisition and the motives which prompted king ferdinand in establishing that tribunal we must take a glance at the internal condition of spain at the close of the fifteenth century after a struggle of eight centuries the spanish nation succeeded in overthrowing the moors and in planting the national flag over the entire country At last, the cross conquered the Crescent, and Christianity triumphed over Mahometanism. The empire was consolidated under the joint reign of Ferdinand and Isabella. But there still remained elements of discord in the nation. The population was composed of three conflicting races, the Spaniards, Moors, and Jews. Perhaps the difficulties which beset our own government in its efforts to harmonize the white the indian and the colored population will give us some idea of the formidable obstacles with which the spanish court had to contend in its efforts to cement into one compact nation a conquering and a conquered people of different race and religion the jews and the moors were disaffected toward the spanish government not only on political but also on religious grounds they were suspected and not unjustly of desiring to transfer their allegiance from the king of spain to the king of barbary or to the grand turk the spanish inquisition was accordingly erected by king ferdinand less from motives of religious zeal than from those of human policy it was established not so much with the view of preserving the catholic faith as of perpetrating the integrity of his kingdom the moors and jews were looked upon not only as enemies of the altar but chiefly as enemies of the throne catholics were upheld not for their faith alone but because they united faith to loyalty the baptized moors and israelites were oppressed for their heresy because their heresy was allied to sedition It must be remembered that in those days heresy especially if outspoken was regarded not only as an offense against religion but also as a crime against the state and was punished accordingly this condition of things was not confined to catholic spain but prevailed across the sea in protestant england we find henry the eighth and his successors pursuing the same policy in great britain toward their catholic subjects and punishing catholicism as a crime against the state just as islamism and judaism were proscribed in spain it was therefore rather a royal and political than an ecclesiastical institution the king nominated the inquisitors who were equally composed of lay and clerical officials he dismissed them at will from the king and not from the pope they derived their jurisdiction and into the king's coffers and not into the pope's went all the emoluments accruing from fines and confiscations in a word the authority of the inquisition began and ended with the crown in confirmation of these assertions i shall quote from rank a german protestant historian who cannot be suspected of partiality to the catholic church in the first place says this author the inquisitors were royal officers the kings had the right of appointing and dismissing them the courts of the inquisition were subject like other magistracies to royal visitors do you know said the king to jimenez that if this tribunal possesses jurisdiction it is from the king it derives it in the second place all the profit of the confiscations by this court accrued to the king these were carried out in a very unsparing manner though the fueros privileges of aragon forbade the king to confiscate the property of his convicted subjects he deemed himself exalted above the law in matters pertaining to this court the proceeds of these confiscations formed a sort of regular income for the royal exchequer it was even believed and asserted from the beginning that the kings had been moved to establish and countenance this tribunal more by their hankering after the wealth it confiscated than by motives of piety in the third place it was the inquisition and the inquisition alone that completely shut out all extraneous interference with the state the sovereign had now at his disposal a tribunal from which no grandee no archbishop could withdraw himself as charles knew no other means of bringing certain punishment on the bishops who had taken part in the insurrection of the comunidades or communes who were struggling for their rights and liberties he chose to have them judged by the inquisition it was in spirit and tendency a political institution the pope had an interest in thwarting it and he did so but the king had an interest in constantly upholding it that the inquisition acted independently of the holy see and that even the catholic hierarchy fell under the ban of this royal tribunal is also apparent from the following fact after the convening of the council of trent bartholomew carranza archbishop of toledo was arrested by the inquisition on a charge of heresy and his release from prison could not be obtained either by the interposition of pious the fourth or by the remonstrance of the council it is true that sixtus the fourth yielding to the importunities of queen isabella consented to its establishment being advised that it was necessary for the preservation of order in the kingdom but in fourteen eighty one the year following its introduction when the jews complained to him of its severity the same pontiff issued a bull against the inquisitors as prescott informs us in which he rebuked their intemperate zeal and even threatened them with deprivation he wrote to ferdinand and isabella that mercy toward the guilty was more pleasing to god than the severity which they were using when the pope could not eradicate the evil he encouraged the sufferers to flee to rome where they found asylum and where he took the fugitives under his protection in two years he received four hundred and fifty refugees from spain did the pontiff send them back or did he inflict vengeance on them at home far from it they were restored to all the rights of citizens how can we imagine that the pope would encourage in spain the legalized murder of men whom he protected from violence in his own city where he might have crushed them with impunity i can find no authenticated instance of any pope putting to death in his own dominions a single individual for his religious belief moreover sometimes the pope when he could not reach the victims censured and excommunicated the inquisitor and protected the children of those whose property was confiscated to the crown after a struggle he succeeded in preventing the spanish government from establishing its inquisition in naples or milan which then belonged to spain so great was his abhorrence of its cruelties to sum up i have endeavored to show that the church disavows all responsibility for the excesses of the spanish inquisition because oppression forms no part of her creed that these atrocities have been grossly exaggerated That the Inquisition was a political tribunal, that Catholic prelates were amenable to its sentence as well as Moors and Jews, and that the popes denounced and labored hard to abolish its sanguinary features. And yet Rome has to bear all the odium of the Inquisition. I heartily pray that religious intolerance may never take root in our favored land. May the only king to force our conscience be the King of Kings. May the only prison erected among us for the sin of unbelief or misbelief be the prison of a troubled conscience, and may our only motive for embracing truth be not the fear of man, but the love of truth and of God. Section 2. What about the massacre of St. Bartholomew? I have no words strong enough to express my detestation of that inhuman slaughter. It is true that the number of its victims, has been grossly exaggerated by partisan writers but that is no extenuation of the crime itself i most emphatically assert that the church had no act or part in this atrocious butchery except to deplore the event and weep over its unhappy victims here are the facts briefly presented first in the reign of charles the ninth of france the huguenots were a formidable power and a seditious element in that country they were under the leadership of admiral coligny who was plotting the overthrow of the ruling monarch the french king instigated by his mother catherine de medicis and fearing the influence of coligny whom he regarded as an aspirant to the throne compassed his assassination as well as that of his followers in paris august twenty fourth fifteen seventy two this deed of violence was followed by an indiscriminate massacre in the french capital and other cities of france by an incendiary populace who are easily aroused but not easily appeased second religion had nothing to do with the massacre coligny and his fellow huguenots were slain not on account of their creed but exclusively on account of their alleged treasonable designs if they had nothing but their protestant faith to render them odious to king charles they would never have been molested for neither did charles nor his mother ever manifest any special zeal for the catholic church nor any special aversion to protestantism unless when it threatened the throne third immediately after the massacre charles despatched an envoy extraordinary to each of the courts of europe conveying the startling intelligence that the king and royal family had narrowly escaped from a horrible conspiracy that its authors had been detected and summarily punished the envoys in their narration carefully suppressed any allusion to the indiscriminate massacre which had taken place but announced the event in the following words on that memorable night by the destruction of a few seditious men the king had been delivered from immediate danger of death and the realm from the perpetual terror of civil war pope gregory the thirteenth to whom also an envoy was sent acting on this garbled information ordered a te deum to be sung and a commemorative medal to be struck in thanksgiving to god not for the massacre of which he was utterly ignorant but for the preservation of the french king from an untimely and violent death and of the french nation from the horrors of a civil war Sismondi, a Protestant historian, tells us that the Pope's nuncio in Paris was purposely kept in ignorance of the designs of Charles, and Rank, in his History of the Civil Wars, informs us that Charles and his mother suddenly left Paris in order to avoid an interview with the Pope's legate, who arrived soon after the massacre. Their guilty conscience, fearing, no doubt, a rebuke from the messenger of the Vicar of Christ, from whom the real facts were not long concealed fourth it is scarcely necessary to vindicate the innocence of the bishops and clergy of france in this transaction as no author how hostile soever to the church has ever to my knowledge accused them of any complicity in the heinous massacre on the contrary they used their best efforts to arrest the progress of the assailants to prevent further bloodshed and to protect the lives of the fugitives more than three hundred calvinists were sheltered from the assassins by taking refuge in the house of the archbishop of Lyon. the bishops of lesseux bordeaux toulouse and of other cities offered similar protection to those who sought safety in their homes thus we see that the church slept in tranquil ignorance of the stormy scene until she was aroused to a knowledge of the tempest by the sudden uproar it created like her divine spouse on the troubled waters she presents herself only to say to them peace be still section three mary queen of england i am asked must you not admit that mary queen of england persecuted the protestants of the british realm i ask this question in reply how is it that catholics are persistently reproached for the persecutions under mary's reign While scarcely a voice is raised in condemnation of the legalized fines, confiscations, and deaths inflicted on the Catholics of Great Britain and Ireland for 300 years, from the establishment of the Church of England in 1534 to the time of the Catholic Emancipation, Elizabeth's hands were steeped in the blood of Catholics, Puritans, and Anabaptists. Why are these cruelties suppressed or glossed over while those of Mary form the burden of every nursery tale? is it because persecution becomes justice when catholics happen to be the victims or is it because they are expected from long usage to be insensible to torture if we weigh in the scales of impartial justice the reigns of both sisters we shall be compelled to bring a far more severe verdict against elizabeth first mary reigned only five years and four months elizabeth's reign lasted forty four years and four months The younger sister, therefore, swayed the scepter of authority nearly nine times longer than the elder, and the number of Catholics who suffered for their faith during the long administration of Elizabeth may be safely said to exceed in the same proportion the victims of Mary's reign. Hallam asserts that the rack seldom stood idle in the tower for all the latter part of Elizabeth's reign, and its very first month was stained by an intolerant statute. Second the most unpardonable act of mary's life in the judgment of her critics was the execution of lady jane grey but lady jane was guilty of high treason having usurped the throne of england which she occupied for nine days elizabeth put to death her cousin mary queen of scots after a long imprisonment on the unsustained charge of aspiring to the english throne Third mary's zeal was exercised in behalf of the religion of her forefathers and of the faith established in england for nearly a thousand years elizabeth's zeal was employed in extending the new creed introduced by her father in a moment of passion and modified by herself surely the coercive enforcement of a new creed is more odious than the rigorous maintenance of the time-honored faith of a nation mary therefore insisted on perpetuating the established order of things elizabeth on subverting it fourth the elder sister was propagating what she believed to be the unchangeable and infallible doctrines of jesus christ the younger sister was propagating her own and her father's novel and more or less uncertain opinions fifth while mary had no private or personal motives in oppressing protestants elizabeth's hostility to the catholic church was intensified if not instigated by her hatred of the pope who had declared her illegitimate her legitimacy before the world dependent upon the success of the new religion which had legalized her father's divorce from catherine sixth hence as macaulay says mary was sincere in her religion elizabeth was not having no scruple about conforming to the romish church when conformity was necessary to her own safety retaining to the last moment of her life a fondness for much of the doctrine and much of the ceremonial of that church she had subjected that church to a persecution even more odious than the persecution with which her sister had harassed the protestants mary did nothing for her religion which she was not prepared to suffer for it she had held it firmly under persecution she fully believed it to be essential to salvation elizabeth in opinion was little more than half a protestant she had professed when it suited her to be wholly a catholic what can be said in defense of a ruler who is at once indifferent and intolerant an intelligent gentleman in north carolina once said to me tauntingly what do you think of bloody mary did you ever hear i replied of her sister's cruelties to catholics he answered that he never read of that mild woman persecuting for conscience sake i was amazed at his words until he acknowledged that his historical library was comprised in one work daubigny's history of the reformation that veracious author has prudently suppressed or delicately touched elizabeth's peccadilloes as not coming within the scope of his plan How many are found, like our North Carolina gentlemen, who are familiar from their childhood with the name of Smithfield, but who never once heard of Tyburn. End of chapter 18